If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to Ephesians 3, we're going to be reading from verse 14 to verse 19. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. You can open your Bibles, you can turn them on, whatever it takes, but please, can I encourage you to bring your word, the word with you to church? I will put it on the screen, but let's not put our trust in technology. Let's have the word of God at hand and put our trust in that. So I will be speaking today on being strengthened with power. Now, there are many thoughts that can uh, run to and fro from that. It sounds like a great statement, but really I'm looking at what it means to be strengthened with power in terms of the love of God. And so we're going to be reading through an apostolic prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. But before I do, I used to enjoy reading the Reader's Digest when I was younger, just the little stories and jokes and all that was in it. And I found on the web you can still do that. And so these two little stories are from the Reader's Digest, and it pertains to love. The one lady said, I once gave my husband the silent treatment for an entire week. At the end of the week, he looked at me, and he declared, Hey, we're getting along pretty great lately. the reason I share that. As I share from this passage, I do not want us to forget the importance of love and interacting. The second one I came across was of a wife, and she was saying they were at a wedding, and the music was swelling, and her husband, being the hopeless romantic that he is, he leant over to her, he took her hand, he squeezed it, he looked at her and said, honey, you are better looking than half the women that are here. I say that because I do not want to think us to think of love in half measures. So as we come to this passage, we're going to read and we're going to see something of the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul as he's praying for himself and for the church that's growing and exploding through the ages, which includes us here today. I don't know if you know this, but you um, you have been the prayer initiative of some apostolic prayers that were prayed many, many, many years ago. And the Apostle Paul is praying for the church of that day, but also for us here today. And so we're going to read from Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love that phrase where it says, and to know the love of Christ. If you're reading and you've got the Amplified, it goes on to say this. It's talking about knowing the love of Christ is to fully experience that amazing, endless love. It's the Greek word gnosko. And it's, not, it's talking about an ongoing knowledge and an experiential knowledge that you would experience this love of God. And then it says that you would experience this love of God that goes beyond knowledge that you would know this love of God that goes beyond knowledge. That second referring to of knowledge there is, um, is the word gnosis, which is the intellectual side of knowledge. It's that which you can study, that which you can perceive. So it's saying there's something we'll experience of Jesus' love by the working of the Holy Spirit in our inner being that will cause us to experience Him in such a way in His love that that love will even exceed the mental capacities 
and faculties that we have. That's the sort of love that the Apostle Paul is praying that you will experience. And it's the love of Jesus that's been made evident and released to us even as we celebrated when love was displayed at the cross just a few weeks ago. And so I just want to pray as we go further with this, that this would be real. Lord, as we read this passage, we recognize it wasn't just something to read. It's not just a token statement, not just a stringing together of some wonderful words, phrases, and sentences. But Lord, this was a prayer born out by the Apostle Paul, led by the Spirit on our behalf, that we would experience your love. And so I pray, even as we look at this today, Lord, that my prayer is that you will be working deep within us, Spirit of God, that you would be working deep within us, giving us a strength that we would be able to comprehend and know and experience this love that goes beyond knowledge, and that we would be filled with all the fullness that we have in you, the fullness of God. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. I mean, that last statement, to be filled with the fullness of God, makes you almost feel like exploding just hearing it. Can you imagine the fullness of God filling you and I? What a beautiful ending point. But even as we look at this passage, it's very much about the Holy Spirit. It's very much about His power and the power that He gives to you and to me. Now, being from a Pentecostal charismatic and all that goes with that background, when I speak about the Holy Spirit and power, normally I'm thinking about what He can do and what He has done and what He's wanting to do and amazing miracles and signs and wonders and manifestations and all the things that happen when God shows up. But this is a very different thing that Paul is saying here. He's not talking about all of those wondrous things that, hap that happen. He's talking about something of the miraculous of His power being at work that takes place within you and within me. The very deepest, the very truest place of who you are. Saying there's something of the Holy Spirit's power and strength that takes place within us so that we can know and that we can understand this love of Jesus, this love of Christ that goes beyond a, a mental faculty or capacity to understand it. It is something that has to be experienced and that in experience it, we can feel this overflowing fullness that starts to come because we are filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's praying for and that's what we're looking at here. And so the goal is quite clear. It's that last verse that we read there, to be filled with the fullness of God. That's Paul's prayer for you and me, to be filled with that sort of fullness. And we desire that, don't we? I mean, we've been looking at deeper, closer, wider, what it means to go deeper in our relationship with God, because who really wants to be shallow? Who really wants to be living out uh, with a sense of emptiness and just eking out an existence? No one really wants that. We want a depth about us. We want there to be a substance about us. We want there to be something significant, something weighty, something measured with your life and mine. I, I know I want that, and I trust we want that as a community of people. And yet even in the midst of it, this day and age, sometimes as we look at everything stacked up and piled up and put on show and put on banners and being projected all over the world, sometimes when we look at all of that outside, we start to feel and be aware of a little bit of an emptiness within us. And we can start to look at other people's lives and say, wow, look at them. They really look like there's a fullness about them. They really look like they are men and women who have the Spirit of God. They really look like they've got the fullness of God. And we can start to feel a little bit empty in our own right. 
But Paul is praying, and he's praying this corporately, but specifically for you and me gathered here together. It's a prayer that has been rolling through the ages, picking us up, carrying us forward, individually but corporately. And it's a prayer that we would individually, that you, that I, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And so that's the end goal. And there's this progression we see as we read through these passages. We see him praying. We see Paul getting on his knees, bowing down before God. Why? Because he's praying that Christ would so dwell in your hearts. This endless, timeless prayer through the generations is that Christ would dwell in your hearts. Why? So that you might be rooted. It means going deep and being a fruitfulness, that you might be grounded. It speaks about having a foundation and establishment, that you might be rooted and grounded in love. Why is that? That being rooted and grounded in love, that you would start to know, experience, ongoingly, the love of Jesus. And why is that? So that at the end, that you will be a mature, complete person, filled with all the fullness of God. Now that statement, filled with the fullness of God, I love the Amplified Version of the Bible, and that's the English Standard Version up there, but the Amplified takes that, that last statement, filled with the fullness of God, and really just expounds it and amplifies it. So here's what it says, if you read that. It says, to be filled with the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Let me read that again. So that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life. Not a smattering, not a little tidbit, not a little smidgen. That you might have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives. That you would be completely filled and flooded with God himself. Isn't that a beautiful scripture from the Amplified? So you look at that. And so Paul is praying and even as he's praying, he's focusing on the inward. He's focusing on that which takes place within us, the inner person, the inner man and the inner woman. He's focusing on the heart issues. He's not just looking at the symptoms and the byproducts and the periphery and the external. When I think about that and when I think about symptoms, it reminds me of that which men suffer. Women Men sometimes get something, and you can see the symptoms of it. It's the early onset of man flu. Now, let me explain man flu. Man flu is like when you're in labor, but times it by 10. <laughs> That's what we men experience. And I've spoken to my wife before, and I've said, listen, Leanne, whenever we travel, whenever we're at home, there needs to be Carenza, Valoid, Imodium, and allergics wherever we go. They always need to be at hand so that if, if this man flute comes, they're close at hand. And I need to repent because my first port of call when the symptoms show up should be prayer. I realize that and I humbly acknowledge that. And it will be going forward. But before, it's been Carenza C. Because when I feel this coming, that raspy throat or block nose, whatever it might be, that's where I turn because I recognize the symptoms. And so often we are recognizing the symptoms and trying to treat the symptoms, but we're not looking at the root and the heart issue. We're looking at the external and the periphery, but not right at the core, not cutting to the quick. And this is why in ministry so often we can find ourselves, and maybe you've led a cell or a prayer group or a connection group or something like that, and in ministry it's so easy to look at the external things. 
You know, we can look and we can say, you know, I wonder as a people why we aren't serving more. I wonder why as a people we aren't giving more of our time and being more generous with that. I wonder why we as a people aren't being more loving to our neighbors so that we can impact community. I wonder why we aren't sharing our faith more. I wonder why those, that group, can't just get along. I wonder why they can't stop watching that or can't stop looking that or can't stop taking that or can't stop being excessive with that thing. I wonder why they can't just stop. I wonder why in their marriage they keep fighting and in their friendships they keep fighting and in their relationships and in the workplace. I wonder why. And I wonder why they're holding on to these material things and they just can't let go and they want more and more and more. Easy to look at the symptoms. Easy to look at the external. But the real thing is this. What is it revealing of a deeper heart issue? And often it comes down to not understanding how much we have in Jesus. So I want to ask a question, which I trust as I ask it of you, you will ask yourself. Do you understand who it is that loves you? Let me ask you again. Do you understand who it is that loves you? And do you understand how much he loves you? Because if we understood this, then all the periphery, the external, all the things trying to buy and grab our attention, all of those things would grow decidedly dim as we fully see and understand the expression of his love towards us. And we would realize that these things have no hold on me These things are no treasure to me, and these things aren't going to hold me back from freely pursuing the one who lovingly pursued me. And so it's a question we need to ask, and it's a question we need to be willing to answer. And this is the prayer Paul's saying, I'm praying for your inner man. He's not praying for these external things, not praying for these physical things. He's not praying concerning the different symptoms that are there, but he's praying concerning the very being of who you are. You're very inner man or inner woman. And he's really praying this, that you would understand the love of Jesus, that you would understand the love of Christ, that you would know, even as that merchant said in Matthew chapter 13, he said, when he found that pool of great price, he was willing to sell everything and leave everything so that he could have this. And Paul is praying that you would experience something right at the core of who you are, of who Jesus is and his love, that you would be willing to leave anything that might be holding you back to have everything of him, the fullness of him. And often the problem is, while we don't engage with that, is we don't really understand his love and we don't really understand how good he is. Or maybe we don't realize his love as we should, the heart, the depth, the length, the breadth. And because of that, we only kind of get it. And so we only kind of follow him. And Paul is praying that this wouldn't be the case. He's saying that you would fully know the love of Jesus so that you might be filled with the fullness of God because that changes us. And the miracle Paul's praying here is, as I said, not a physical miracle, but it's an inward miracle. And the reason he's praying is because Paul has realized this. I realize this as I prepare and I come to you here this morning. That no matter, sometimes we fall into this place of striving and think, you know, if I can prepare hard enough and if my PowerPoint looks good enough, I'll put it together. I hope you're impressed. 
And if I add in enough um, things into this message, maybe I can convince them of Jesus' love for them. And Paul is saying this, he's realized it's less about preaching than it is about praying. It's less about me and what I can stir up and do and more about what the Holy Spirit does. It's more about what He does in the very deepest, truest place of who you are, that He gives you a strength and a power so that you can comprehend and understand, so that you can experience and have this ongoing knowledge that you being rooted and grounded might have Christ living in your heart and that you might know His love in a fuller and fuller measure until you have all of the fullness of the riches of who He is. And so I want to say that last night, as I was preparing and getting to near 12 in the evening, finishing off and going over it, I thought I better not share this without getting on my knees. And so fortunately, Leanne was asleep and Mitchell was asleep. And so I knelt down by the bed and I was able to pray through this prayer. Because it's less about me telling you about what this prayer says than about me actually praying it on your behalf and mine. And so I prayed it for us, and I pictured us here this morning in the services, and I'm going to continue to pray it throughout the week. And I want to ask you, be praying this for me. Be praying this for your spouse. Be praying this for your children. Be praying this for your family. Be praying this for your colleagues at work. Be praying this wherever you can, that people can experience that which we celebrated a few weeks ago, the love of Jesus that outrageously, extravagantly pursues them at all costs because He is love. And so I got down and I prayed this, and and as I said, I was following Paul's example. I wanted there to be a synergy through the ages as I prayed along with Paul's prayer. And uh, even as I prayed, I realized this, this, that he got down on his knees to pray. The wonder today is we know that we don't need to get down, we don't need to bow down to pray. But I've said it before and I'll say it again, there is something about making yourself low before the one who is high and lifted up. That you pray knowing that you can come with boldness and grace, and yet there's a reverence and an awe for who he is and what he can do. And so Paul was relying on the power of prayer. And in verse 16 we see it says, according to the riches, he's praying, that according to the riches, that means the provision, that means the resource, that means the abundance of endless supply, That is God's. That according to the riches of His glory, His majesty, that He may grant you to be strengthened. I love that word, grant you. It's it's a key word here. Because it's saying you cannot attain it, you cannot study for it, you can't grab it, you can't try and check it off. There's nothing you can do. It is something that has to be given to you. It's something that has to be presented to you. It's something that has to be bestowed upon you. I pray that He may grant you I pray that according to his riches of his glory that he may grant you to be strengthened. Because I want to say you need strength, you need might, and you need power to be able to comprehend the love of God because it is a powerful thing. And so this is what he's praying. This is what we're seeing here. Because he realizes he can't make us understand that. But once the Holy Spirit has been at work within us, then the Holy Spirit continues to walk, to work, to journey with us, reminding us of this love that is ours. In Christ Jesus. And so that's what Paul is praying and he's relying on the power of prayer because he knows that he can't, with his words, bring you to that place, but the Spirit of God has to do it. He knows that he can 
try and introduce you to who Jesus is and his love, but he can't make you understand it. I know this to be true because I'm going to pick on a friend of mine, Andrew Willington. Andrew Willington uh, thought that by moving to another church, I wouldn't pick on him, and he was wrong. Now, Andy is a son in the house. He's a brother to me. Andy was saved in the house. He is a youth pastor in the house. He was a pastor, an associate pastor. He was an elder in the house. And now he is leading a church that was planted out of the house, church on the way. And so we just celebrate what God's done in his life. And he's a real man of God and, fr- and friend. And I'm still going to pick on him. So with, with Andy, you know, he was here. And as I told you, a bit of his journey. Um, many people here took a, he was a likable, lovable guy. And many people wanted to set him up in a relationship. And so there were many dates organized for Andy. It was an exciting time at the church because there were many young ladies that came in. Unfortunately, when he didn't uh, continue to see some of them, they left quite swiftly as well. So the, the church, anyway. But in this journey, there was a young lady at Harvest, and her name was Veronica, just a, a lovely young lady. And she had gone off, and I'd heard that she had gone and done a program at another church, a great church in the city. But I'd gone to Andy, and I said, Andy, this girl... There's something about her. There's a quality about Veronica, and and we need to somehow engage her that she knows that she's got a part to play to be effective here at Harvest. And Andy looked at me. Later on, he would engage her, marry her. But Andy looked at me at that point and thought, you know what, George? If she wants to go and visit elsewhere, let her go. We just continue with what we're doing. So I always give him a hard time that I saw value in her before he did. But uh, the moment came when it shifted. I had introduced them. To who Veronica was. But the moment came when she came into the coffee shop dressed up or something that was happening, and the Lord granted and bestowed the ability upon Andy to see Veronica in the fullness of who she was. And something changed in him that hadn't been instant. And we know that they are married now, and uh, the Lord, they've got a beautiful family. And uh, it was quite interesting with Bob Hazlitt because. Um, Andy hadn't been prayed for, and he said to Bob just before he was going to the airport, Bob, is there any word that you have for me? And Bob looked at him and looked at Veronica and turned to Andy and said, yes, you married up. (laughs) Most accurate prophetic word I've ever heard. (laughs) But with Andy, it was an instant the Lord granted and bestowed. It was very different to my relationship with Leanne. Because instantly, the moment Leanne saw me, She knew the goodness of God was being made evident. I'll pay for that later, but it was worth it. Paul is highlighting here. I can't make you fall in love with Jesus. I'd love to do that. I'd love to introduce you to him in such a way that you see him for who he is. In his beauty and his graciousness and his majesty and his power. And in his love for you. I'd love for you to realize how much he loves you. That he loves you more than a wife or a husband or a child or a friend could ever love you. I'd love for you to realize that even in the midst when you were unlovable and, and wretched and caught up in things that you shouldn't have maybe been in. That in the very midst of that place that he loved you and pursued you outrageously and sacrificially. I'd love for you to see that he is willing to go to a cross for you because he loved you. To such an extent that even when they put him in the grave, that it couldn't hold him. 
because he rose up that he could make a way for you and for me. That the same spirit that raised him up from the grave that he's given to you and me is alive in us if we would only receive so that we could know that love in its fullness. It's such a beautiful love, such a powerful love, such an extravagant and outrageous and pursuing love. But I can try and tell you about it, but I can't make you experience it. But I can pray that you do. And I do pray that you do. Because when you know that, it changes everything. And you can read this passage and these beautiful sentences strung together and you might think, well, that's a beautiful picture to put up on a wall. And I think we actually do have it on, in the men's bathroom, one of those frames and that prayer there. But this isn't a, pray, a prayer to be on a bathroom wall. This is a prayer to be prayed on your knees, on your own behalf and on families and friends and generations. That the Holy Spirit would give you the strength to know and to understand the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so many of the issues we face, whether it be in friendships and marriages and work contexts and all of these things that harass us and antagonize us and cause great anxiety within us and emptiness, vulnerability and fragility and all those things that take place, so often it's because there's something missing within us and we're looking to all these external things and nothing's going to satisfy. Except the one who is all-sufficient. So he's praying that we would receive God's love. So I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer too quickly. Are you sure right now that Jesus Christ loves you? Are you 100% sure that he loves you extravagantly, lavishly, pursuingly? That he wants to set his love upon you even as he has set his eye upon you. Not that he loves the world. Not that for God so loved the world. But that for God so loves you. Not that he just loves you. For God so loves you. The reason I'm sharing this is I really felt the Lord just say to me, not a time to teach or to try and exegete something or bring an expository text. Or I thought the Lord just told them that I love them. Make sure that no one leaves today my house without hearing that I love them. So I love them. What kind of love? John 15 verse 9. Let me ask you another question. How much does the Father love His Son? How much does the Father, how much does God the Father love Jesus? What would you say? Extravagantly, as I've said, lavishly, outrageously, with no limit, perfectly would be a good description. We, we're happy to understand that. These are the words of Jesus to you here today. Just as the Father has loved me, not in a similar way, not kind of like, 
Just as the Father has loved me, so I, being the representation of the Father, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So have I loved you. Now remain in my love. There's no threat there of him removing his love. Saying, now you remain in it. He's saying, just as, in as much as, in the same way as, the Father loves Jesus, so Jesus loves us. That's how much you and I are loved. And when we read that verse, you think it can't be like that. Surely it's in as much as the Father has loved Jesus, in some measure of that, in some maybe 50% of that or a third or quarter of that, He has loved us. And what a lot of love that would be. And it would. That would be enough. Yet it's saying, in the same way, He has loved us. And that's the sort of knowledge you can't try and attain, you can't read up on it, you try, can't try and understand it. It's something that becomes real to you as you encounter Jesus, the living word, through his written word, and you allow the spirit of God that breathed the word to breathe afresh on your heart so that you can catch what this word is actually about. A love letter from the Father to us. And so this is what we need to be praying. And this is what the Apostle Paul is praying for you and for me. And I want to play a video clip at this point. Seven minutes. We'll end and I'm going to end off by praying this on our behalf. This prayer over us. But let these words wash over you. It's Graham Cook. If you know Lynn Swart, she's on his ministry board. He's from the UK. It's a wonderful man. And he really is sharing something just inspired on the love of God in an evening service, and it was recorded, and I want to play it over us so that I can introduce you to his love, but the Holy Spirit needs to make it true to you. Thanks, Jason. The Lord says that there is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more. There is also nothing you can do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you, 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 because that is what he is like. It is his nature to love. And you will always be the beloved. And his love is unchanging. And he loves you a hundred percent. He won't love you any better when you become better. He loves you a hundred percent right now. And even if you have no plans to become better, he will still love you one hundred percent. Because he loves you, because that's the way that he is. And even if you don't want to change, he will love you 100%. Even if you have no plans to walk with him, he will love you 100%. Because that's his nature. He loves all the way, all the time. His love is unchanging. What will change, says the Lord, is your ability to receive my love. And this evening... I want to cram some more of that ability inside you. So I challenge you, says the Lord, open your heart to me. Open your heart to me. And you will receive more of my love than you've ever experienced before. 
I dare you, says the Lord. Come on, open your heart to me. Give me your heart. Give me whatever your obstacle is. I'll take it. I'll remove it out of the way. Because I love you as you are right now. I love you 100% as you are right this moment. I love you as you are. So be loved. You are the beloved. It is your job, says the Lord, to be loved outrageously. It is why I chose you. That is why I set my love upon you. That you would live as one who is outrageously loved. That you would receive a radical love. So radical. It will blow all your paradigms of what you think love is. And now says the Lord, I will love you outrageously all the days of your life. Because I don't know how to be any different. This is who I am. And this is who I will always be. This is the I am that I promised you. I am he that loves you outrageously. And you may love me back with the love that I give you. You may love me back outrageously with the outrageous love that I bestow upon you. And know this, says the Lord, you can only love me as much as you love yourself. So my love comes this evening to set you free from yourself. To set you free from how you see yourself. To set you free from the smallness of your own thinking about yourself. My love comes to set you free from rejection and from shame and from low self-esteem and from despair and from abuse. Because when I look at you, says the Lord, I see something that I love. I see someone that I can love outrageously. And I have so much to bestow upon you. So much to give you. So many places to take you in my heart. But you can't go there unless you allow me to love you. And my love for you will break every barrier, bring every wall crashing down. And know this, says the Lord, my love damages fear. My love hates fear. My love will fight fear. It will fight fear in you. It will fight fear around you. And if you have fear this evening, says the Lord, then know that you have a treat in store. Because my perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear where I am present. Because my love casts out fear. Beloved, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. And in my love, I want you to feel good about yourself. I want to read this passage over us, pray it over us, believe it for us. And as I do that, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, but I want to bow down and 
just be in synergy with Apostle Paul, even as he prayed it. So let's just bow our heads as I read it on our behalf. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length, and depth, and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now, Lord, even as I prayed that, I thank you that we can say that it's now unto you who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to that power that works in us. To you be the glory in your church, Lord Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask if you are needing prayer, I want to particularly pick on fear, even as the end of that video clip, Perfect Love Casts Out Fear. If there's any fear in your life and you're needing prayer, or maybe you've been in that place and you just think, I don't really know His love for me, and I, I don't really know if He loves me. If that is you in any of those things, I'd love to pray for you, and I want to ask you to come up front Otherwise, I invite you all to the table, to the outworking of his love, to partake in faith of that which he's done for us, the riches, the blessing that he's made available to us through his body and his blood. And other than that, I just want to say the Lord bless you. And may you go and experience an increasing measure his love for you, even as you walk into the fullness of being filled with the fullness of God. Bless you in Jesus' name.